Welcome to the MEP Podcast, where we'll be exploring the intersection of sport and spirituality through a variety of practices that ultimately invite us to learn, grow, and connect. I believe that through movement and mindfulness, we can create awareness within that will allow us to integrate as individuals and also connect more deeply with our community and environment. You may have gotten to know this podcast as Into the Well over the last couple of years, but it's very much a continuation and evolution of what I've been sharing, with a little bit more of a focus on our inner development through the lens of the physical and emotional body. I hope you'll stay with me and dive into MEP together as we move forward on this journey. On this episode of the podcast, I get a chance to speak with Sarah Sturm, who is a rider for Rafa, Specialized, SRAM, Wahoo, and other brands. She's got a great personality, a lot of smiles, and it was super fun to speak with her about her journey into cycling, which is not what I expected, and her experience trying to keep up with her partner on some of the most intense sounding races that I've ever heard of. And also in parallel, exploring her creative side, working as a graphic designer and how she's able to bring those two worlds together with a couple of projects with Rafa and designing her own kits. And now as a sort of mentor, um, guiding and teaching and sharing what she's learned with younger women specifically and really encouraging the the female feminine evolution in cycling, which has definitely been growing more recently. And she's been a big part of that. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Sarah. All right. Well, first, just want to start off by saying thanks for being here and uh, coming on the podcast and doing the interview with me. Uh, I'm excited to connect and learn more about you and uh, <laughs> get some time with your smile that I've become acquainted <laughs> with on Instagram. Yeah, I am so I'm so pumped. This is for some reason I was like really nervous for your podcast, <laughs> and maybe it's just because I haven't like met you in person yet. <laughs> I, yeah. just, I just got off the phone with my sister and I was like, I got to go get ready <laughs> for this podcast that, you know, I'm just yeah. sitting here and talking, but it's really <laughs> nice to be here. I'm, I'm pretty stoked to talk. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited as well. So thank you. Um, so I guess like, you know, just diving into your, your story and journey and, experience yeah. with riding bikes because it seems like um that's like the best way I can put it for me like when I started cycling I was like it just made me think of when I was a little kid and just like hey want to ride bikes and it's just like I still have that sort of fun associated with it so I'm curious with you like did you grow up riding bikes or racing of any kind and it seems like you kind of got into mountain biking a little bit later and what, what was that journey like from a fun side to a competitive side? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'll try to not get like super specific. Um, but I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I was always super interested in sports. And, but you know, my family, my dad actually rode r- rides, rode bikes. Um, and so instead of like being like super into it and curious about it, I was like, did the opposite thing. And I was like, mm, that's something dorky that dad does. Yeah. <laughs> and it seems like not social and I'm a pretty social person. So soccer team, swim team, track, um, martial arts, all of that was like really, uh, more engaging for me as a kid growing up. And then, um, 
I was going to play soccer in college. Uh, and I found a school kind of close to Albuquerque, but out of state. And I got some scholarship and I, it just was really lucky that it was at the time, the like number one ranked cycling collegiate team in the country. And, um, I, I do this thing where I just kind of dive in to anything head first, you know, like <laughs> signed up for like intermediate to Spanish only having grown up in Albuquerque <laughs> and like <laughs> not even knowing what ch- conjugating was. <laughs> and same thing with cycling. I just, I remember like calling the cycling team office as an 18 year old and like, Hey, what kind of uh, scholarships do you guys have? And they're like, what, <laughs> what, who are you? <laughs> No, they were like, they were really awesome. And they were like, come on, we, we always love having more women. And that was kind of my introduction to cycling. And they like the week one of school, they like packed us up into vans and drove us to Colorado Springs. And we got to ride on the velodrome. And it honestly, a lot of my, um, I think success now is due to loving riding bikes with my friends in college and like having that kind of be the thing that kicked everything off. And then, yeah, I just, um, yeah, I was, I, I loved the social scene. Like it was my group of friends and I was like the one person I felt like who was homesick, like painfully, painfully homesick, like did not make it through a day without crying uh-huh. <laughs> and wanting to go home. But I think at the time my parents were getting a divorce and there's, my mom was always like, well, you can come home and be here. <laughs> and I was like, well, maybe I'll just make it one more day here. And then, yeah, uh, I still live in Durango. <laughs> I never moved. And I found just kind of a lifelong group of friends and um, now my career as well. Um, but it was not that linear. There was a couple years where I quit. Um, racing all together and um realized I wasn't having any fun and and that was like a big uh moment for me because my whole experience with cycling was racing even though it was fun it was all competitive and I am a competitive person but um I think I needed that that break to really like choose to come back to it that was not very linear at all but that was kind of my <laughs> my intro. (laughs) So you were going to go to college and play soccer, but then you just scrapped soccer and just went into cycling. Yeah. Let me clarify. (laughs) I was not good enough to have gotten scouted to like play, like walk on. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would have had to, I almost said audition. That's not it. Uh, try out. (laughs) And, um, which I was going to do, I, I wanted to play soccer and then, um, and I I think I probably at least could have you know, been on the the sidelines at least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just kind of wanted something different and new and, mm-hmm. um, and I really found that with cycling and then all the disciplines within cycling. Like I started with road and track and I was pretty bad at track, uh, cycling at really bad, but not as bad as I was at mountain biking. Yeah. <laughs> so I tabled mountain biking and I focused on road and then I found cyclocross, all, all in collegiate cycling. Um, and then I came, I ended up doing well at a collegiate short track and, and winning a national title when I was a junior. And then I got onto a little local 
pro team that has some pretty big names that have been on it, like Howard Grotz, an Olympian, Sepp Kuss, uh, who races in the tour, um, Stephen Davis, pro mountain biker. There was a ton of us that were from Durango that were on that team. Um, and then after that, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I made it to the top. No more fun. Yeah, I just, I was like, man, I am, I, I don't know. Like, is this what people do? Like, I was just like traveling all over the country, racing and, and getting like mid pack, probably close to back of the pack racing mountain bikes. And it, I honestly, to that point, I never had had fun riding mountain bikes um, because it was so scary. I was just so new to it. And everyone I was racing with had been doing it for so long and they had all these technical skills and I was just really good at going uphill and then really bad at going downhill. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) Okay. Well, I feel like I need to backstep just a little bit to college. You go in and I have no idea what collegiate cycling looks like. I'm not, I'm going to be honest. Like I grew up in Canada and I, I went and played basketball at university and I was Uh like red shirt to like sideline. Yep. But like the idea that there was cycling in college sports anywhere to me was not something I even would have been aware of. So you go into college, join, get on the cycling team. And then do you have to do all the different types of cycling in terms of like track, cyclocross, mountain road, and then, or do you kind of try them and then pick something that you're best suited for in that time? That is such a great question. (laughs) Um, you, so I think collegiate cycling has actually since changed because I'm old, (laughs) but, um, it was kind of divided into like D one and D two. And now it's like varsity and junior varsity, depending on the funding of teams. So like, um, Fort Lewis is actually a pretty small school, but the cycling program had a ton of support. Same with like the big hitters in collegiate cycling or like Marion college in Indianapolis, uh, Lise McRae used to be big and now, and now it's like Brevard or SCAD. Um, but anyway, to answer your question, no, you don't have to do all of the disciplines you can kind of choose. Um, I think if you're going on scholarship, which a lot of collegiate athletes now have that. So like, if you're on a full ride, you're probably on a full ride for like road and mountain or, you know, like, I think that's predetermined, but um, for, for my experience, I was obviously very new. And, um, if I were to have the same scenario now, uh, it would be really hard actually to, to kind of get to races just cause there's so many kids, at least on Fort Lewis, there's like 300 kids every weekend that want to get like just on our team wow. that want to go, um, race. And obviously you have like, we've doubled and I say we, cause my, my partner Dylan and I kind of help coach now. Okay. Um, yeah. So he was driving like a U-Haul truck full of bikes to every weekend. In addition to like five, you know, 15 passenger vans and a truck and trailer. Right. So like the operation is massive now. So I, I think it's a bit of pay to play. Like you have to pay your like club dues, um, which when I was in school was like 200 bucks, which was a lot. I mean, <laughs> when you're a college kid but that would get you to like every single race. And for me, it was like, um, actually kind of a way I come, uh, like combated my homesickness. Cause I was like, well, it's like constant entertainment for the whole weekend. Like I don't have to like 
force myself to go do anything. Like it's already like we're all together. Mm -hmm. It's this, you know, fun setting. Um, so yeah, like I just, when I was in school, you could kind of choose, but because I was a female who was also very into it because I had never been a junior athlete, unlike a lot of the other women who were probably starting to kind of burn out (laughs) when I was like, this is awesome. And so the director of the program at the time was like, Hey, do you want to do track? Even if you get last, it's fine. (laughs) Here's a track bike. And it was really different for women. We had a lot of support. Um, And then the guys, it was a different scene just because there were so many really talented guys that wanted to race and specifically went to Fort Lewis for cycling. A lot of the cyclists had that uh, mentality because, you know, 18 to 21 is like prime time for cycling development. If if you want to be like a bike racer, I guess, but not really because I don't know. I feel like I started pretty late. Yeah. Well, okay. So then you're go, you go through college and you tried a couple of different disciplines and then you made it onto this pro team and then you're mountain biking, but you're not very good at mountain mm-hmm. biking compared yeah. to some, <laughs> how does that work in terms of like getting such a good question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was just, like I said, I was just trying it out and I think there is something like looking back now, I'm like, why did I do that? But I think I really wanted to be a professional athlete, which is, it's funny now. Cause like I, I am one and, and I think I wanted that for a lot longer than I, than I realized. Cause I kind of feel like luck made it happen. Um, but I think I worked pretty hard for, for a, a while. Like we're talking, like I graduated 2012. So this like semi pro team or pro team is kind of between like 2012 and 14 and then I quit. Um, but yeah, I was like, I just wanted to always just be a little bit like try a little, okay, maybe I'll get this rock section or maybe I won't have to be the only one who's walking down this descent or like, you know, I just, it was always that like really small thing that I, I don't know, for some reason I, I stuck with it, you know, a couple broken bones and a lot of crashes and, and just like a lot of, Oh man, self-doubt. I mean, I, to the point where like my partner and I were driving back from Moab yesterday and I was talking about how emotionally painful it was to be a mountain biker on this team with all these like amazing athletes and be the one that I felt like I sucked so bad. And it still like is in my head. Like if someone's behind me riding, I have like this anxiety of like, just go around, just go around. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think like of all the disciplines, mountain biking was the one when I was a teenager that I did for fun. But I was also like very aware of the injuries that come with that because, yes, you know, it's, you know, it takes some courage to go down those trails and stuff in the, yeah. in the forest and the rocks and all that stuff. And I mean, I, I don't know how many like, broken collarbones you've witnessed or been around and things like that. But, you know, there's, oh, yeah. a, there's a level of courage that comes with that. And like with a bit of retrospect now, do you feel like, do you have an idea of what do you think was like pushing you to, you know, keep up with these professional men on some level, but also keep pushing yourself into these pretty challenging situations? Oh yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's such 
an interesting you you are such a good question <laughs> asker <laughs> um yeah i i think my perspective has been like really skewed just like i i don't where didn't where in canada did you grow up i'm just curious uh in victoria on vancouver okay. island yeah there's some like gnarly mountain biking and like um there's a lot of really skilled athletes in Durango and specifically mountain biking. And I feel like my, my test pool was really skewed towards like these, the, this like incredible, like talent that has been here. And so I was always just kind of like judging myself against like what other people could do. And, um, that, really like until I traveled to like a bike park, um, in New Zealand, I was like, Oh, this is the general public. Like this is the general population (laughs) of mountain bikers. Like I didn't even like people here would crash and like break a collarbone and it would be no big deal. And like, it was kind of like, you know, when toddlers are learning to like, like walk Mm -hmm. or crawl or whatever, you know, they fall and then they kind of look to you for the reaction. And like, if you freak out, then they freak out. (laughs) And I think it was kind of similar to that, like crash, like the people that I was riding with, I'm, I'm the biggest chicken (laughs) for (laughs) sure. Um, just, I mean, I don't have that daredevil gene that they, they (laughs) speak of, you know, my, my partner does like he goes down a mountain on a bike, like nothing I've ever seen before. And, um, and at a certain point, man, I could get into another tangent, but I signed up for an Enduro world series, um, in New Zealand when I was living there, which, um, is kind of like the most, it's like the tour de France, like maybe a stage in the tour for like, I don't know, people that don't know what cycling is or follow Enduro racing, but it's like the highest end of enduro racing, which is like uh, pretty like heavily weighted on how fast you can descend down a mountain. And then they don't time the, the time it takes you to get from stage to stage that you have to ride to each stage. And I remember explaining it to my mom and she was like, so they're timing the part that you're bad at. <laughs> and then they're not timing the part that you're good at. And I was like, yes, that is what I'm doing. And, um, I promise this is related to your question, but I finished, uh, I finished that race and it, I'm pretty, I am actually pretty sure I got last, like dead last in the pro women. And the only, the only reason I even finished was because I was fit and was just sprinting. I mean, it was like eight hours of racing of mountain biking. And it was like the scariest trails I've ever descended. Like, I mean, New Zealand, like on the North Island has this like mesh root system of these trees in the redwood forest there that it's unlike like if you touch if you think about touching your brakes you're crashing <laughs> uh. it's like a whole different style of mountain biking and i remember feeling like so so proud of myself that i finished that bike race in one piece <laughs> and like only had like some like couple stitches here and there and like i don't know i just like that was the moment that i was like man i'm actually pretty tough like this is sweet and it was a big it was a big growing moment for me to like actually like genuinely feel 
proud of myself for just finishing, even though I got last. Yeah. Well, I find it interesting as well, like that it took something that extreme for you to be able to acknowledge your own toughness. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Something somebody who's like, later. <laughs> you know, that that long of a race on that kind of terrain, you know, it's I'm I kind of got into triathlon the last year. Mm-hmm. So that sort of thing. It's like doing an Ironman and being like, okay, I guess I'm kind of tough. <laughs> You know, which I feel 10 like, hours later. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, the same thing was like gravel racing, mm-hmm. for, but all, all the while, like I do have like a wealth of experience. Like I think at a certain point, like athletes like Katarina Nash for me are like, um, it, she's someone I really look up to just cause like, I mean, I talked to her before cyclocross worlds, like before her race at the world championships. And she was so calm and very like fun and friendly and like didn't appear to be nervous and she's just like so such a seasoned professional like on and off the bike she's just a lovely person and she's someone that I really like look up to with that sort of you know mentality of like I think at a certain point like the number of races that you've done or like the number of times you've pedaled that bike or learned how to crash you just, you kind of keep weathering the storms. <laughs> yeah. You definitely, there's definitely a familiarity with the experience that yeah. allows you to drop into a more calm state of mind, I imagine. Totally. Yeah. And I, I like definitely, um, with endurance racing now that I'm in that scene, <laughs> mm-hmm. that one, I, I do kind of feel like it was by luck <laughs> a little mm-hmm. bit, but, um, here I am. And, um, there's definitely that, that feeling of like, I don't know, like once you're out there, you're kind of just out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of then following on from college, then you get on this pro team, you're mountain biking, you finally feel like you're tough, <laughs> tough enough to like, you know, hang, but you, then you sort of burn out after a couple of years in that scene and that, um, you know, experience, what was that sort of progression from college to burnout? Like, and yeah. you know, how do you feel you got there? Yeah. Well, that's, I, I think I just didn't feel like I was going anywhere, you know? I, well, that's not even true. Like I, my partner had to even like ask me, like, are you having fun? I remember driving back from marathon mountain bike nationals one year and he asked me that and we had just started dating too. And, and I was like, it just kind of like clicked, you know, sometimes you're just so in it. You can't even see (laughs) outside of that. And I just graduated from college. I was a graphic designer for a local company. Um, and it just kind of like clicked in my head that I like, wasn't actually like having any fun doing it and figured out a like that it wasn't a part of, I mean, this was, this, I do remember being fairly painful because I was like 24 at the time, I guess, or somewhere around there. But I was like, man, this thing has defined who I am (laughs) for a a while, like through some really formative years of my life. Um, And so stepping away from that, but not stepping away from the bike completely was really, really important. Um, And I, I just, yeah, it wasn't fun for me to race cross country mountain bikes. Like I wasn't, it's not even that I wasn't good at it. I just like, I don't, 
like no part of it other than like finishing and like hanging out with friends was enjoyable. And I just always felt like, um, I was going nowhere, I guess. I'm trying to like tap into, like, it feels like a very long time ago. (laughs) I mean, it was almost 10 years ago, (laughs) but yeah, I, I was just like going through the motions, I guess. And, um, and it just, it wasn't really working. And so, um, I stepped away and I sold my race bikes and I got a trail mountain bike, which is kind of like different geometry, uh, that makes it a little more fun. It turns out, uh, to go downhill. You don't feel like you're going to, I'm, I'm pretty sure like I'm five, three. And when I was getting into cross country, 29ers were just kind of coming onto the scene and for shorter people, they were super weird to ride. Like they were just really, it felt like riding a road bike down um, a mountain bike trail. So I got a trail bike and it kind of opened up my whole world. I did part of the Colorado trail. Um, and it was like the hardest thing I had done without a finish line. Like there was no one <laughs> who cared if I like finished yeah. the day, but it was still really challenging. Um, yeah. And I was like really into that. And that was like, I think the thing that kept me in cycling. Yeah. When you were at the tail end of that first, uh, like racing stint, did you feel like weight or pressure to finish or perform for other people, coaches or teammates like that? Yeah. And this is before social media. So I didn't even Mm. like, I, I truly cannot imagine that. I tell the athletes that I ride with um, who are all in high school. Like, I just don't know how they do it. Like that would be really Mm -hmm. overwhelming. But I, I just remember feeling like a lot of pressure, like I was letting other people down, like my -hmm. family who like, they didn't care at all, but in my (laughs) mind they did. Or like to my friends, I was like, you know, the mountain biker, you know, the athlete, the racer, whatever. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that same thing, especially in a community like Durango, it's pretty small here and everyone everyone kind of knows everything about everyone, but also like, especially within the cycling community, like I remember it being really painful when people were like, are you doing, you know, the iron horses, this local bike race. And I just remember like, just having a lot of shame and saying like, no, it's not that fun for me. Yeah. (laughs) Or just like being okay with like not wanting to ride and race any or race anymore. Yeah. So then making that choice to step away from the racing, you know, I can imagine took some courage and probably wasn't a super easy choice, but probably felt like a weight off your shoulders. You know, was there like a, a moment or something where you're just like, this is what I have to do. Even if I'm letting down everyone. I think I was so distracted by like being so fresh in the like job (laughs) scene, you know, Mm -hmm. like having my first, like, official like graphic design job and like Mm -hmm. learning how um that felt and then like feeling the difference between like having to go ride and then only having uh enough time that I had like I was so pumped to go ride and Mm -hmm. I remember talking to a friend who also was working for a different company at the time we were both like kind of transitioning from like prioritizing bikes to like prioritizing jobs. And I remember like talking to him about like, I feel like I'm riding better than I've ever written because I, 
the time that I get to do it, I'm just like so stoked to be out there. And fast forward to now, like that is something I have in my head where like anytime I like, I'm like, all right, I got to go get this ride done. I try to like reframe it a little bit, but honestly, I'm so busy now that it still kind of feels like that. (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. that was like a pivotal moment. And, and then I just, you know, I worked for a a long time for several years, seven years. And like, I was kind of dabbling with racing at the time. I would like occasionally like go out and do something challenging, but um, bikes were always kind of a priority on the weekends. I was just more of a weekend warrior. Right. Yeah. I guess it's probably a blessing that you had the graphic design and the job and career to sort of shift there. Cause if it was like just pure cyclist and that was your only identity, then stepping away probably would have been a lot tougher. I imagine as well. Yeah, totally. And I I don't want to like breeze over that. Like I I do remember it being like pretty challenging for, Mm -hmm. for my identity. Like I, I just Mm -hmm. felt like, I think a part of me really felt like I had failed. Um, especially with like everyone in Durango is a cross country mountain biker. Like everyone Mm -hmm. is a mountain biker here. And I just so wanted to be like, I got along with all the mountain bikers, but I just, it, it didn't come naturally to me at all. But looking back now, um, I was just new <laughs> to it. Mm. I, I was like very fresh, but I was just in this scene that was like really advanced for where I was at. Um, mm-hmm. And so when I was like working as a designer, um, that's actually when I started like doing enduro races because my partner was like super into them. And it was kind of the way that we got to spend time together. Like we would go mm-hmm. race in Canada and New Zealand. And like, it was the way that we would prioritize, you know, vacationing and time together. Mm-hmm. And that was like, um, it's, it's fun to like talk about this. Cause I, I don't think about any of like, you know, this on a day to day thing, but I, I think that was probably like pretty special and important for our relationship you know, to have that time, even though like <laughs> there were some like really tough moments for me, at least, because it was like the best time for him. Like he was so good at that racing and it was so, <laughs> I just remember being so scared all the time, <laughs> <laughs> like at the top of the stage and like, how is everyone riding this? And, yeah. and I just, I mean, I had a moment where like there, the the racing uh was like blind so it was like a six five or six day stage race and like all the trails every day you just like went into like you didn't get to scope them out at all which is really ultimately it's just mountain biking but i remember like there was a mandatory gap jump in one of them which i like to this day i mean i still wouldn't hit that thing but i swear to god everyone else did it and i was like am i the only one not I got off my bike and I ran around it just crying and I filled my like Uh, goggles with tears. And I just was like, so ashamed. And like, I just felt so lame. And I was like sitting in the bathroom and I was like, this actually was a very pivotal moment for me, but I was like, all right, I could be the person who gets off and runs around the jump and is scared. And then also a bummer on top of that and like really sad and like having this pity party and like, I do this thing where I like try to convince 
my friends like, oh yeah, didn't I suck at that? (laughs) Or I could be the person who runs around the jump and then still has a good time and is fun to be around and doesn't let it ruin my entire life. And uh, that was like, that was a really important lesson for me to learn that I feel like I'm carrying to my career now. (laughs) Yeah. And do you know if uh, like half the people might've ran around the jump or do you know that everyone actually went off the jump? (laughs) I don't know. I'm assuming um, Dylan just walked in. Do you think everyone hit that gap jump in (laughs) BC that I was really scared of? Everybody but you. (laughs) (laughs) Said everyone but me. Yeah, <laughs> I there had to have been like one well, or two. Yeah, I bet there were a few that didn't. But at the time, I just remember feeling like I was the only one. <laughs> yeah, well, blind gap jump in the middle of a forest sounds terrifying to me as well. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. And I just remember, I have such amazing memories from from that race like it it very enduro racing is not my my thing and I think it was like a perfect slow entry back into bike racing for me because I knew I knew signing up for those races that I was just going for the experience and I was I was going to enjoy like where we got to ride and challenging myself um but you never like if you didn't want to see your results, you just don't look at it. And right. I, I never have looked at an enduro result. That's why I'm like, I'm assuming I got last at the EWS, right. <laughs> but that it was, it was awesome. And it was like a perfect, like, um, dipping the toe back into the scene right. in a really new way. I knew that like, I did not have a future as an enduro racer, but it was, it was an awesome experience to have. And I'm, I'm glad that I, now that I have all my, my limbs intact, <laughs> I'm glad I did it. You survived it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I imagine with racing like that, you know, maybe not on the downhill sections, but like in between, there's gotta be times where you're like, why the hell am I doing this? Oh yeah. All the time. And like, how do you navigate those situations and moments? Um, I remember in Leadville, um, my, the first year I raced it, I was in, I was winning (laughs) Leadville, like this iconic race. And I really had to pee and, um, and I was like, good, I'm hydrated. And I was like, you know, you're in this race mode and there's thousands of people doing this race. So I like pulled over to the side, but like, not how I normally try to pee off the side of the trail. (laughs) And I was just like, whatever, I'm just going to pee. And I was peeing on the side and then there goes uh, Rose who passed me for, and then she was winning. And I just remember my legs were double cramped. Like both of my legs were cramping while I was peeing and I was like peeing on my shoes. And I had this like moment of like, what the hell am I doing? What am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) This is my job. This is like my, (laughs) this is my life right now. And, and it was just like this funny, like, instant in the in the middle of like I mean it's hard to stay focused for like a six or seven hour race or 12 hour race or whatever they are these days um but I think those moments are really important to have to be honest like you just kind of remember that like at the end of the day we are actually just human beings like trying to cross this arbitrary line where we started (laughs) most of the time 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which at least for me, it like, it kind of like helps me remember. I don't know. I say this now. I wonder how I actually feel in the moment. I think I was kind of panicked, but also like kind of laughing, but it, it is, it is just kind of funny. Like, like I do sometimes question like why I'm doing this or like the moment in like an endurance race where you're just like, all right, this is sufficient. I would like to not be riding my bike anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I think like those are the kind of like potentially magical moments. I mean, those are like mm-hmm. why we put ourselves yeah. in those situations. And, but remembering that sometimes is hard and it's easy to kind of yeah. get swallowed up in that moment when it's just like painful and uncomfortable and the fun seems to have disappeared. Yeah. But it's like, okay, well, this is the, this is why I'm here. This is the opportunity to grow beyond myself, you know, where I totally. have been. And it sounds like you've put yourself in that position a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah, I have. But I think a lot of people in pursuit of any endeavor have probably <laughs> done <laughs> a lot of the things that you're like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. But I always, I always kind of come back. I, I think about this a lot when I'm riding. Um, I definitely am one of the athletes that like, I ride, I race so I can ride, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, right. I enjoy the pursuit of, uh, just athletics and like challenging yourself mentally and physically. Like I really enjoy that. Um, and like, you know, racing has its pluses and minuses for me, but I, I do really appreciate like every time I'm in the scene, if you will, with athletes, it's like, it's a cool feeling to like be amongst, um, hundreds or thousands of people that are just on the same day or like, all of their, you know, training or all of their history has led to this moment. And for the most part, everyone's just trying to be their best self. And it's kind of a cool, I, I had that moment at cyclocross nationals, uh, this past year. And I just kind of like on a whim signed up for it. And I was like, why am I racing in Chicago when I could be <laughs> warm and on my off season? And I signed myself up for this, but it's just this like, it's really a special um, feeling to have, like being around a lot of people that are just, I don't know, like the pursuit of athletics is super interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a really special thing that I try to not take for granted to be able to prioritize in my life right now. And it's, it is inspiring, especially at races like Leadville and, you know, any mass start where like, it's kind of like people's marathon like bucket list item, which I think mm-hmm. is super cool. It's super special. Yeah, I think so too. There's there is something extremely special about that race environment. So like about five, six years ago, I was running a fair bit and I was doing like road races and trail races and just like the energy, I had forgotten how fun that was. And then in the mm-hmm. last year doing some triathlons, it was like, oh, this is different than going on a ride by myself or run by myself. Yeah. The excitement, the like diversity of people involved in doing it. And then you share that moment in time, which is really quite bonding just as a human being. You know, I've had races where I run half of them right beside another person, never say a word. And then in the end, you like hug or give them a high five or something. And it's like, 
you just shared this like kind of epic moment together. And there's something so like purely human about that experience that really comes in racing. Yeah. To- oh man, totally. I just, that just like triggered so many <laughs> like thoughts, but that is the coolest part, at least for me right now with gravel racing is like, I really love that. It's just like, we all just kind of start <laughs> like mm. everyone lines up and you're out there with everybody, like men and women. And like, you know, it's, it's growing a lot right now. So that's a bit contentious, especially because there's more and more money in the sport. And like, now it's like, well, should women work with men and blah, blah, blah. But I think, I I think back to those moments, like in the races, exactly like you mentioned, like, you know, there's, they're just these like really raw emotional pieces to like pursuing like this thing that like is made up like we're all there for this like made up reason but we've all subscribed to it in some way shape or form and made sacrifices fight from financially to like our bodies to our minds to, yeah. you know all of it to be there and it's you know there's the shadow side of that too which i i'm i don't want to gloss over that like sometimes athletes are super annoying to me myself included but I think over like the, the bigger overarching feeling is just this, like, it's, it's pretty cool to be around that. It's like a very special, very unique thing. Like there's a lot of people out there that don't try to be right. better, you know, like yeah. it's, I, it didn't even occur to me until <laughs> recently <laughs> that I was like, oh yeah, there are some people that are just cool with doing what they're doing. Yeah. I don't know what the percentage of people who have raced Leadville, but yeah, it's pretty small on top of yeah. some of these other races, I imagine. And yeah. yeah, it is a special experience. And I think it's interesting as well, like the perspective on it, like of our own experience, like, like you said, you're sacrificing time and money and mm-hmm. your body and months and months, if not years and years of training for this one day, one half day, one couple of hours, maybe. And it's like the most important thing in the universe. Meanwhile, there's like, you know, 50 races going around like totally. the same day in the country or totally. all over the place. And it's, it's uh, something that's helped me is like this perspective shift of like, oh, I get to do this. Like, yep. I found myself in this position and I'm healthy enough and my body can do it. And here I am, like, how lucky am I? Oh, rather and totally. that's like my that's my like how i bring to the like why the hell am i doing this like oh right i get to do it i gotta remember that yeah oh absolutely and i think that that was like i guess going back to the timeline of everything when i got back into bike racing i would wear like cut off jean shorts which i know now is very cool it's like a oh. cool thing to do which i think it probably was back then but it was kind of the signifier to myself that I was choosing to do this for myself. And it was, it's, it was supposed to be fun while I was, you know, pursuing this like weird sport of cycling. And, and I got back into racing with cyclocross. I decided to do single speed cyclocross, but which kind of lends itself to wearing jean shorts on, you know, (laughs) a bike ride. (laughs) But it was, that was really important to me to like, it was a big shift mentally to like go back to racing and like choose to do it. Cause I had stepped away for quite some time and 
And um, we signed up for a couple, my uh, Dylan, <laughs> my Dylan, <laughs> and I had signed up for some races in like Portland and just to enjoy it and have fun. And I'm, I am just a very competitive person, just naturally. Like I have really had to work on playing card games in like a fun way with people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like Yahtzee, you know, that's been a big one for me. <laughs> yeah. Like, how do you enjoy this? <laughs> yeah. But, that's your spiritual um, practice. <laughs> <laughs> it's just something that Dylan and his whole family and my, my family, my sister is like, you were the worst to play checkers with. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I think that that shift for me was like, so, so vital. But now I'm like in it and I'm like, I have to remember, like, I'm still choosing to do this, but it mm -hmm. feels like, feels like a little more convincing <laughs> these days. Cause I have, you know, other people making an investment in me and my performance. So I feel mm -hmm. like I need to do a good job, but I always, I think I just always want to do well regardless. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, I can relate to the competitive nature. I've definitely thrown like some video game controllers. <laughs> yeah, see, <laughs> big memory of smashing my Game Boy on my forehead at like age ten or something. <laughs> I would have been right there with you. I'm like the the checkerboard flipper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So you know, you mentioned like the kind of the, the shadow motivation for for sports, and especially I feel like the endurance space is it's primed for that expression. Mm -hmm. And I, my feeling is like a lot of the time as we're younger growing up, like that motivation can take us kind of far. And I imagine there was some of that, like you got to prove yourself and be good enough that got you to that pro level. And then that just like, doesn't work anymore. And you're kind of left in this state of like, why am I doing this? It's not fun. Who am I trying to prove myself to? And then to step away and then come back, like kind of on your own terms or in your own way, that feels a bit more aligned with your values. And I like the idea of the jean shorts kind of being like a symbol of that as well. Yeah. It's like, you know, I'm here to do it, my version of it, you know, and uh, I think that's like a cool, a cool visual like symbol for that. But I'm just curious to know, like, you know, were there things outside of cycling that helped you sort of change that mindset and sort of change that approach to what you're doing? Like if that was like meditating or journaling or, you know, any other sort of outside influences that helped that perspective shift? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, Man, I've tried to journal. <laughs> <laughs> and I I guess the thing that really like aided with the whole shift in mindset for me was that I had had then this experience this other experience, you know, as like a young adult of like I enjoyed working. Like I I liked going to a nine to five and like, you know, I saw an acquisition from like a major company to like buying this like little company I was working for. And it was like wild and like a totally different world. And I think I realized then that that was not for me <laughs> at all. Like 
I liked being a graphic designer, but I hated being an in-house designer or sorry. I liked being creative, but I didn't really like being an in-house designer because it was just kind of like fitting into someone else's rules. Um, and, and so I had quit my job, which I'm a pretty like cautious person. So quitting was like a big deal. It, It also like had been my job for like seven years and, and then I got a different job and I was just kind of in this like weird place. Like you're in your like late twenties and that's like a weird time in your life. I think like mm. you kind of are this like baby adult yeah. <laughs> and like you have all the pressure, but you really like haven't like, you don't have any clarity with anything. And so you're just kind of like, at least I was, I felt like I was just taking these stabs in the dark and And I actually ended up quitting. I worked another job for a year. And then I was just kind of like, I had saved up enough that I could like be unemployed while I tried to figure out my next thing. But that was a big deal to like not know what was next. And I did a lot of soul searching. I mean, I bought a sewing machine. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I was going to start my own like clothing line. And I got like a week into sewing and I was like, wow, I hate this. I'm really bad at this. (laughs) No one told me you have to think backwards and inside out and do math. (laughs) It's like my nightmare. And and then of course, Dylan was like super good at it. (laughs) And I was just like in this weird place that I was like kind of racing again. And I just had this like serendipitous moment where I signed up for a race and I was camped next to the owner of a small boutique uh, cycling apparel brand called 10 Speed Hero at weirdly the right time. And I had a good result at this race that he saw. And like they were starting a team with specialized, a cyclocross team. And that is how I signed my first pro contract was like, I mean, they, they had looked at some of my results, which mainly were like single speed cyclocross and like collegiate, but, um, it was like this weird serendipitous thing that happened <laughs> in my life. And, and I had the flexibility to like jump into that. I got a job at a bike shop, which was like, I felt sort of like a failure in a weird way to like go from like a corporate job to like being a marketing and designer marketing director designer at a bike shop which like sounds bigger than it was it was yeah. just like <laughs> making swag <laughs> yeah and but i loved it it was actually like my favorite job i've ever had i got to talk wow. to people and i was racing all over the country and and then i yeah here i am <laughs> yeah that's cool i mean i definitely can relate to some of what you're sharing like i had a business for it's about 7 years And then that ended in my sort of late twenties and was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to keep going on this trajectory. That's what I should do. And then it was like, I was like, this is the new chapter. I moved to New York. And then oh wow, like a couple of years later, I was like, this is not the right thing. This is the end of the chapter. Mm. And now you're like, oh, that was the end. (laughs) Yeah. And now, and then it's like, okay, back to square one as like a, in my early thirties. And then you know, it's weird. It's weird to be in that place of like, okay, I thought I was going to have a house and, uh, you know, all this stuff at this point. And like, I feel like I'm starting from scratch again. And like, not only recently, I'm like, okay, now I'm actually becoming an adult finally. So. 
totally. Um, you know, that process is is very interesting. And those transitions are beautiful and very challenging. So painful. They're so they're so painful because you don't actually know if there's like when you're done with the transition. <laughs> right? Yeah. And my like, like it's uncertainty. Yeah. And it's like that's what it's all about is like being at peace with the uncertainty and trusting the unfolding, but we're so conditioned to like, try to predict it and make it how we want it to unfold and go from like, okay, the unfolding is done and I'm here now, but it's like, I've kind of learned like, oh, it's kind of like a deconstruction and a reconstruction at the same time. You know, it's almost like the clutch and the gas on my car. It's like, it's not black and white. There's like a lot of gray space that we're mostly living in. Man, I needed this talk in 2018. <laughs> I was at 2008, 2018. I, yeah, I just remember like, well, I actually just kind of wrote about this because like, I feel like this gets like totally blown up, especially with social media too. And like, just that, like, ha- I'm going to start a lot of sentences. Like, how do we, how do we explain that to younger people? Like, you know, I look at, sometimes I feel like they're better adapted because <laughs> they do have like so much information, but it's like, there's so many moments within those, you know, those big achievements in your life that are just really painful and sad and hard and like painful to grow. And like, I mean, I say like, I signed my first pro contract, but I remember like, that time being like really, really challenging in so like, but also really exciting. So there was like all of these like conflicting feelings, but like, Mm -hmm. ultimately, I mean, and now like here I am (laughs) like four or five years later, like, you know, I feel like I kind of have my footing a bit, but there's also this like whole new void of like my season this year that I have to like try to figure out, but just, you know, you don't really get to figure anything out. You just kind of have to like trust that everything will happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it will, you know, everything will happen. But yeah, I think it's interesting, <laughs> like you said, with like, you know, people at a younger age and I find this is a, you know, for me, I, like as I kind of stepped away from fashion design and that business and really dove into all this like holistic health and training and then started doing some one-on-one coaching with with people. A lot of the people I've been working with are like in their mid twenties and, really? and they're kind of like have sped up that almost like midlife crisis in a sense where they like, don't feel aligned, like kind of like what you talked about with having to quit cycling racing the first time, but also not quite having enough life experience to, you know, have the like real meat and juice to like work with as like a sort of therapist type of thing. Like, like Carl Jung was like an epic uh, psychologist and like he wouldn't take on clients until they're at least 40 years old because then they had enough life experience to like dig through like all the like parental conditioning and programming and like all Mm. that stuff. So it's a really interesting challenge. I think now as people are you know, our culture is so fast and social media just like is hyper fast. And so people are getting to 
this state and stage at like 25 rather than 35 or probably 45 or yeah. 55 in like a generation prior. So it's quite an interesting challenge. But I think the more that like people like yourself are sharing these stories and what you've been through, you know, it's so powerful for somebody who's going through that now to be like, oh, okay, there's like, this isn't, I'm not the only one experiencing this. And yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny like you know sometimes I I like I overthink like okay what should I like be promoting or like projecting out into the world cuz like it's like I have these like moments of self doubt cuz it's like I don't know I haven't won a world cha- I will never win a world championship <laughs> like that's not the type of cyclist that I want to be And do I like have any grounds to stand on? But then I think to like all of the people who have influenced me and very few of them have been these like, you know, I don't want to say accredited sources because they are, but like, there's not like, they don't have like the pedigree, like that doesn't matter. I think it's important. Like I'm pretty um, open about mental health and like working, like I've worked with a therapist since I was 18 and like, just as general, you know, upkeep. And, you know, I'm working with a mindset coach this year, which is a really different experience. And, and just generally, generally and genuinely trying to like do my best version of the weird dance that I'm doing. And that, that has to be enough, like, hopefully it'll be enough for someone (laughs) to do that themselves. (laughs) Yeah. But it, it's interesting. Like I totally, I, I totally agree with like the younger generation. Like I think they're just, I mean, I, I guess this is what every generation says, but like mm-hmm. they are different. And especially now, like going through a pandemic, I mean, mm-hmm. I was coaching the high school mountain bike team here in the middle of like lockdown. And it was, it was crazy. Like those kids were having a really hard time. Like they were, isolated as young people and that's like the most damaging thing you could do (laughs) yeah and it was really hard and they've like to a certain extent like gotten through that part but like i mean they have a a totally different form of resiliency now yeah yeah i can't even imagine being like that age and going through the last couple of years because you know i know from my experience like as somebody's 36 and had gotten comfortable like being by myself and not being extremely social for periods of time like okay that's not such a big deal on some level I mean it definitely has been hard but it's like now to like recondition being social is like a whole other thing that I can imagine if somebody who's like 16 15 you know two years oh my gosh is like half of your life it probably feels like so to now i have to like relearn you know in this unknowing time of like yeah learning to be social again yeah uh, would be a whole nother thing yeah so how like how how are you working with people i'm i'm so curious sorry i don't want to like flip the podcast <laughs> around okay. but <laughs> i'm just so curious um well i work with people like I went and studied at a place called the Czech Institute and took uh, two levels of the holistic life coach program. So, 
you know, their teaching is very rounded and there's like the foundational stuff like food, nutrition, movement, sleep, uh, like hydration, stuff like that. And then it just kind of really integrates the whole body system, emotions, emotional body. And then there's a lot of like, you know, trauma and looking at your parental programming and what happened like to what with your siblings and your parents and growing up Mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to take on board as much of those elements as possible. So generally speaking, somebody might be like, you know, like I need, I want to get in shape and run a half marathon and eat better. But as quickly as possible, I take it from like that to, you know, what's your relationship with like with your father? And, you know, have you thought, have you, you know, recognizing patterns, like just Mm -hmm. uncovering so much of the unconscious that is either motivating us or keeping us in fear, like those kind of self-limiting beliefs. Um, And just trying to, yeah, shed light on that stuff because we can't do anything about these issues until we're aware of them. And Mm. so once we do that, then we can start taking little steps. And it also opens somewhat of a Pandora's box of like what's going on under the surface. You know, I often talk about like when I quit and left New York and quit my job, I was like, I need to look under the hood because I've tried to like (laughs) polish the tires and like make everything good on the outside (laughs) and it's just like not running well. So I need to like take myself apart essentially and be like, what is going on? And hopefully uh, offer people enough breadcrumbs to start pulling at those threads before they find themselves in like a crisis of depression or isolation but i think like with the pandemic that's definitely brought that to the forefront for a lot more people as well yeah for sure do you so are you working with like i'm just so curious because like you know obviously athletics are such a huge part of my life um i just feel like like how many athletes are you working with compared to like non-athletes like i just am so curious like are they able to like figure out or like see things a part of like their story like quit like I just feel like it's like this is accelerated program sometimes that we're on when you're like pushing yourself to these limits like if there's you know this that's why I like have a really um big emphasis on you know mental health because it does like you could do all the training you want but if you're in if you're in a shitty place, you're not going to win <laughs> a bike race. Like, yeah, it does, yeah. or enjoy it. <laughs> totally. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's actually probably plenty of people who win in, uh, in with those demons chasing them, but they're not yeah. going to enjoy any part of the process. Yeah. Like for me with my career where it's been, I'd say the majority of the sort of people that listen to me or follow me come from more of a creative space, mm-hmm. but definitely have like a, athletic inclination, like probably played some sport in high school. You know, a lot of people are into running because it's quite an easy access point and there's something kind of romantic and like cool about it, I guess, you know, I don't know what exactly that is, but I found that like I played soccer and baseball and basketball growing up and And I love those sports and I didn't like running, but then after a couple of ACL tears and I got into (laughs) running and 
uh, I find it's like kind of like an old person's board as well in a way. Yeah. Um, so, well, running you know, was always punishment. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We had like, we had to run this like two kilometer run in under a certain period of time to be able to start practicing with the basketball team. And oh my gosh. Like, so like some people are trying every day for a week or, oh. um, but it was always like that, uh, yeah, rather totally. than enjoying it. So, you know, most people I work with movement is like pretty essential to their life, to well being, yeah. because I think, like you said, when you're doing it for enjoyment, it is a it's a space to go to to get into that flow state, to be more in your body. And I think like yeah. that is a huge issue with so many people is spending way too much time in our minds. So to be able to get in our body with movement, with breath work, uh, with different things like that, it's so powerful. Um, you know, as like my journey, a lot of it, I can frame it as like a journey of reconnection, reconnecting to myself. And through that, I can feel more connected with nature and the planet, my community. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's about like getting back in touch with that part of ourselves and learning to listen to that part mm-hmm. of ourselves rather than just be like trapped in our mind and our ego. So a lot of the time it's like first separating from that. And that's quite a new experience. So learning to kind of navigate that sort of observer outside of the mind kind of experience. And then from there, we can start to see different like patterns in our lives, I guess. And for me, like I, I'm competitive as well. And I probably took a lot of that, like kind of left brain, like doing to this like spiritual practice. So I like did it hard. And at times I've been like, I'm really good at this, you know? And I'm like, I'm so good at unpacking my trauma with my mom, you know? And it's like (laughs) ridiculous to think about or frame it in that way, but it's taken me like four or five years of doing that to be like, okay, that's not, (laughs) it's like now that doesn't work in this area. And I've had to like totally shift my approach and experience. So now I think like approaching life and approaching sport as a practice, you know, the, the sort of like classic Taoist and Buddhist like approach of like the goal is the journey and the journey is the goal, you know, bringing that as much as possible. Oh yeah. That's, that is the name of the game that I'm trying to play (laughs) right now. I mean, seriously, like it's, it is uh, the work that I have done the last couple of years because, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of, a lot of emphasis gets put on that, like the crossing of the (laughs) invisible line, you know? So like, Mm -hmm. but if it doesn't exist, then like, what is the importance of that? And for me, it's the the pursuit, but it's, it's so hard because like, I don't know, as an athlete, like I, there's so many distractions, at least for Mm -hmm. me, like, you know, you have your part, your sponsors and like, it's equal parts, like so exciting to work with you know, specialized and, and SRAM and Wahoo and Rafa and like these cool brands that are like doing all this cool new stuff. But then it's also like incredibly overwhelming. And for every, every piece of exciting thing, there's like this other side that it's just like adding more and more like (laughs) weight on, onto you as you're like trying to like, just finish a bike race. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I guess for me, like also as like, as a female athlete, like you have this whole other 
piece too of like, you know, you have the potential of creating life and like how to balance that with like a career, which is like the age old question and not age old. I mean, that's like pretty modern (laughs) world that women even have a choice (laughs) to do that. But like, there's, there's so many different pieces that you have to like weigh, I guess, Mm -hmm. which when all of that gets overwhelming, at least, you know, on, I would say a weekly basis, it's like, it's funny that like my escape is also the thing that brought me to that place. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's probably a good sign that it still is. Yeah. I mean, totally. It could be escaping to something else, but yeah, I wanted to ask like that sort of pressure that you feel, you know, you've got these amazing brand partners, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But like, are they putting that pressure on you or is that just you putting (laughs) that pressure on you? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like sometimes, and there's only like, I'm a, what you call a privateer athlete. So it's cool because it's pretty creative and you Mm -hmm. get to like have one-on-one partnerships with a brand like specialized bicycles or Rafa, you know, or Wahoo. And, and each, each brand has their own thing. So like, you know, some of them, most of them don't care, but I think they, um, you know, in a capitalistic society, they understand that the more eyes that are on you, if you do well. Yeah. But the cool side of that is like with social media, you don't always have to win. You just like, I've always loved being creative and writing and taking photos. And, mm-hmm. and I've had a lot of really positive feedback a lot of the times when I do poorly, right? <laughs> but because I can verbalize like after some digestion of, you know, what happened, like, I think a lot of people appreciate that. And, and it also helps me too, you know, mm-hmm. to process through like, what is important at the end of the day is like, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't know. My coach always says like, you only have like a handful of those stellar days on a bike. And if you're racing, sometimes those correlate to a big race and sometimes they don't. And like, just celebrate the wins and just know that like they're precious and awesome, but it's not the reason that we're doing everything. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think like with the voice you can have through social media now, it's interesting as, you know, athletes, pro athletes, and even amateur athletes, like the impact you can have just through sharing your own experience and journey and being vulnerable and as well showing like your creative, like the intersection of like having creativity through like graphic design and being able to make products and, you know, I imagine like 10 years ago, somebody who's finishing not first, you know, nobody ever hears or knows anything about them. Meanwhile, now somebody who's, you know, regularly finishing out of the top, you know, outside the podium can have a way bigger voice and a way bigger impact. And ultimately like that vulnerability and humanness is so much more inspiring for more people than somebody who finishes first every race. Cause like, that's amazing, obviously, but it's like completely unrelatable for most people. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, I think, I think bringing that humanness forward is like, that's the reason that I still have social media. (laughs) 
mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, to- like to be totally honest, I- and like it's something I think about a lot, like especially with like a curated um, source, like you know, Instagram is pretty pretty curated. Mm-hmm. Like TikTok mm-hmm. is, <laughs> it's funny, it's very not, <laughs> mm-hmm. and like kind of a refreshing way. I've just started dabbling at like just doing goofy stuff, but. Instagram is kind of like, I don't know. I bought, like I said, I was always, I always loved creative writing and I always loved self-expression. And in a lot of ways, like I mentioned earlier, like I'm really bad at journaling, but um, Instagram has kind of become that for me. I mean, it takes a while to like think through something and like, I'll write it in notes and then like figure out how to pair it with something and try to be authentic as, as authentic as possible. And it's, it's super helpful for me personally too, to like, just think through like the experiences that I get to have as an athlete. And, and it all just kind of like happened organically too. You know, it's like this really like slow moving snowball. (laughs) It's like slowly inching down (laughs) the mountain and you hope the snow doesn't melt before it gets to the end. Well, I think, yeah, I think that's really great. And also there's like more longevity in that sort of version of a pro athlete as well than just the first place finisher. (laughs) I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting watching the Olympics, um, like especially like summer Olympics. I knew quite just because there's mountain biking there and Mm -hmm. road cycling. And so, you know, a lot of the athletes that go and it was just like, man, I feel like the the biggest underlying (laughs) part of the Olympics was like mental health and like taking care of yourself and like self-care as an athlete. And it was really refreshing. And it's so interesting to see like the pressure that like, I mean, we really get to see it. Like we see their, their like a window into their life on social media, if they have it. And, and it's, I don't know. I feel like people are just kind of figuring out like athletes that is like, that they're they're under incredible amounts of pressure and they can say no. <laughs> yeah. And it's valuable to all of us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think like, you know, setting boundaries is such a powerful way to keep ourselves safe and you know, saying no to something can be very hard, but it can be so empowering. You know, one of my mentors, he often says like, your yes has no power until you learn to say no. And it's like, yeah, it's a good one for sure. Um, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned briefly as like being a female athlete in this space. Uh, I imagine like since you graduated college till now, which I guess is almost 10 years, like that is, I imagine like the female professional cycling and and just female cycling scene has grown a lot. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, because of social media in many ways, because it's not like the, you guys are making like tons of money off race results and like, that's not why. So it's like the humanness that is being exposed and shared more is really powerful and I'm sure inspiring a lot more young girls and women to get into cycling, which is very cool. And I'm curious how much of that are you sort of aware of or feel responsibility to be a part of and champion and inspire and support? Yeah. Oh, totally. It's, it's interesting. We're in like a funny, we're in a funny space with all of that because I mean, at least 
I'll focus it into like endurance, like gravel racing, for example, like gravel Mm -hmm. is this new like boom of like style of racing and, um, both men and women have like flocked to the, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I think a lot, a lot of us are like trying to make money at it now, but, um, almost all of the races that I do are actually an equal payout, um, for men and women, which I think that's, well, I know that that's very unique. Um, but that's not Mm -hmm. how I make, and I don't think that's how most athletes make their money. They make it from like Mm -hmm. our individual, um, partnerships with brands. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would guess that men are still making a lot more, um, because there's more men that are in, I mean, this is like, this is the, the cycle that you go through, right? It's like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg, Mm -hmm. um, which is why it's super exciting, like to see more and more women like get involved with the sport. So like, I mean, and I'll even focus it down to like, I'll look at like my, my Instagram, like stats. And I like, I am stoked that I have 40% women and 60% men that follow my Instagram. Cause I think that that is pretty valuable that I can like show 40% of my followers that, which, you know, it's, it's a small amount, but like, it's not nothing. And I think that those little moments really matter. And the more women that we see enter the sport, I think the more support and the more products like we see, like a lot of cycling apparel brands are like just now adding like a women's line and, you know, bike companies are like accommodating like grips for like smaller hands, but like not for kids. And like, (laughs) which is nice because like, I don't know, like I'm a pretty, like I mentioned, I'm pretty short. And so like, it's hard to like find equipment that like fits us a lot of the times. And so it all kind of has to happen simultaneously. And that's, what's challenging, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And like, Mm -hmm. if you look at road cycling, I mean, there's like two pro tour women's road teams that are like going to uphold the same like salary standards as their men's teams. Like I think Trek uh, Segafredo is like one of the first and that I'm, I shouldn't even like say the specific ones. Cause I'm sure like someone will comment and be like, Oh, well this one too. And this one. So like, I think there's just a handful of them that are starting that, but it's hard because like, I mean, unless you have the support of a brand and like, at this point, like I hit, I hit the timing really well. Like I won a race at the right time and Mm -hmm. got support but there's plenty of deserving women out there that should be earning a salary um Mm -hmm. and i hope that the way in which we're able to like participate in the sport and make it our living i hope it's sustainable but i don't know if it is yeah well hopefully it is i mean you know i can imagine like yourself and and other people that are doing what you're doing there's going to be more young girls getting into cycling and that's going to like change their direction in life. And if there's more demand, then, you know, ultimately like, you know, voting with your dollar is how our culture works. So if more Uh. girls want bikes and want to be involved, then 
it's going to open up, uh, I would think. Yeah, I know. I forget how massive these companies are too. (laughs) (laughs) That it's not just like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I um it's not all on your shoulders. <laughs> yeah. I have I do have some like exciting uh news kind of on this like same thread, mm-hmm. but I'm not totally sure when this podcast is coming out, but we're going to be announcing it next week, so if it comes out like at the end of next week, I can say it. <laughs> okay. It probably won't come out that soon. So Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was like a funny way to say that, but yeah, I'm adding another female athlete onto my like, I mean, team is the best word I could use, but yeah. that's kind of a contentious word these days because like gravel is supposed to be an individual sport and it is, but mm. she's on, she's going to be a part of the the same like team that I have made for myself, just kind of on that same like idea of like, I think at I feel like I should share or I I would like to share like the opportunity that I've had and like the Mm -hmm. timing that I've had within the sport um, feels Mm -hmm. very like lucky to me. And so I feel like I want to like continue that on and give other women like an opportunity to connect with these brands and like try the sport, you know, like I don't, I'm not bringing this, this woman on because she's had like stellar results because there's, plenty of support for for women that have like that breakthrough result but there's a lot mm-hmm. of women that kind of get left in the wake a little bit um mm-hmm. because you know it's like i don't know it doesn't matter if you win right <laughs> like <laughs> she's someone who's like an important community member and she's like motivated um to try racing but she's also like pretty stoked on other parts of the sport which is like community development which i'm like mm-hmm. great bike kit support let's go on the bus we'll go (laughs) yeah yeah that's great it definitely should matter less if you win i think yeah it was just when like you're i don't know i i consider anyone in their 20s or teens young (laughs) and (laughs) i there's like a lot of room for growth and like fostering you know a positive outlook like you don't or just a realistic outlook you know i think mentorship is super important um Mm -hmm. and it's sometimes I feel like it's kind of hard to come by in sport as women, just because it's this like incredibly volatile competitive scene and there's so Mm -hmm. few resources available. Mm -hmm. So like it makes it pretty cutthroat, but I think there's still room to like, I don't know, cut that out (laughs) (laughs) and support each other. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I think the mentorship thing is, is so it is really important. And I didn't really have mentors outside of like my basketball coaches. And yeah. I, you can't really say your parents are your mentors, <laughs> yeah. I don't think, although I would have like almost did that. Yeah. <laughs> but until I was like much older. But I think, you know, knowing how unique your own journey is and how unique you are as a person and like this combination of your graphic design and taste and cycling and how you say that, say that and how you share it and your voice and what you write, you know, that's just not going to resonate with a bunch of people, but there's going to be some people that that just like speaks right to them. Yeah. And that's going to be really powerful. And I think, you know, we all have this unique kind of combination of characteristics and assets and, and whatnot. And I've found like, you know what, like, I don't need to have a million followers and affect that many people because, you know, I'm just 
one person. And I found like there are a certain group of people or there are a handful of people that really do get like, listen to that because there hasn't been somebody who's like, you know, talking about following your heart, who's into fashion, but also doing triathlon, you know? And it's like this like unique offering that all of us really have is going to help somebody kind of coming up be like, Oh, cool. Like that's, that speaks to me, you know? And it's hard sometimes to like hear the message from somebody you can't really relate to. Yes. Which like, I mean, to just like, I like snap, snap. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Like you don't need to have a million. I think that that is like, I want to like going to write that down. Like it's just, (laughs) you just kind of have to like, live the way that you're living and, and talk to the people who are interested and connect with the ones that like find inspiration in what you're doing. Cause like, mm-hmm. I think that, I think that that is like a different piece. Like if you're like an aspirational, like way far out there, like a, I always say Beyonce is like my example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That works. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she's like, an aspiration. Yeah, totally. I mean, just but that like I for a lot, or at least for me, like that falls short at a certain point. And I just want someone who I can like who's relatable <laughs> to me, you know? Yeah. As someone who like like similar to you, like I mean, I've had amazing coaches in my life, but mentorship is hard. It's different. It should feel really close and relatable. Um so if I'm that for one person, then yay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it can be easy to like discount how impactful and important, like, I mean, I want that one-on-one or a couple. Yeah, I know me too. And I feel like grateful. I've found it over these last few years. Cause it's just like helped me grow so much and feel seen, which is very healing as well. Yeah. And start to like deconstruct all of the like conditions that I felt I needed to meet to be accepted or loved yeah. uh, ultimately. How did you find your mentor? Um, I found him through a couple of podcasts, you know, I was listening to somebody and then he recommended this person and then he was a guest on that podcast. Oh. And then I found his course online. And then I was just like emailed him one day and I was like, this is what I've been doing. Like, cool. You know, and he was like, sounds like you're ready, you know, and, and then there was a point where I was like, okay, time to move on. You know, Mm -hmm. he was very masculine and I felt like I needed that. And then I felt this like distinct shift to, I I was needing like a female, like feminine elder type of energy. And so I found somebody perfect in that space. And I feel like it's just, you know, again, learning to listen to myself to those subtle messages of like, what do I need right now? And, and follow that has just become such a beautiful experience. But again, it's like kind of going into that unknown. Oh my gosh. And just listening to you talk about that. I'm like, yeah, like, how do you even find like the quiet <laughs> in your life <laughs> to like, listen? Cause I just feel like, you know, we're just, I, at least I am. I'm just like one thing after the next. Mm-hmm. You're just like, 
laying down at night, you're like, I don't even think I drank water today. <laughs> yeah. But it's so well, vital yeah. to like yeah. pause and like, listen, cause like you would miss, you do, you miss those moments. Mm-hmm. And I think like there's times too, to just be in the flow of life, you know, and when that feels right, then just be going with that like river. Yeah. But yeah, I think for me anyways, like meditation, but I think you know, what I'm excited to really dive into these next months and years is like the combination of mindfulness and endurance sport, because I think endurance sport, like can give you this like deeply bonding experience, like we talked about with other people, but it can create that space, you know, for listening, I think, but we do have to be intentional about it because it'd be very, it's, it's super easy to like, all right, smash that ride or workout. And now it's like, eat something, answer emails, you know, and it's like, we had the opportunity for that space to listen, but we just kind of shut it up right away. And, um, I don't know if you've done much yoga, but like, I kind of associate like that Shavasana moment at the end of class is like, to me, the most beautiful spot because you do the whole practice and that's the space right there. So we have the chance every time we go for a run or go for a ride or whatever, And sometimes it's like, I'm just going to stop in the middle of this ride and lie in the grass. Uh, I could never do that. (laughs) I would love to get to that point. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard because it's like, okay, I got to like get whatever, you know, depending if you want to have a good time or Mm -hmm. the workout or whatever it is, or you got stuff to do, but like to just lie in the grass for five minutes in the middle of a workout and just, you know, feel your body tingling, feel your heart beating. It's really cool. Mm. And it's like, that's the space to listen. And you can kind of, I find like, you know, ask questions as well in that space. And that's when the, your kind of heart and soul has the opportunity to answer rather than your mind getting in the way. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting. I mean, it's why I have a pretty big disconnect with like, um, like I'm not a big gym person or like, Mm. you know, now I've, I've done some workouts in, in my garage, but for the mm. most part, like skiing or running or hiking or biking, it's all, it's all outside. And I'm not like a big intervals person and I'm, mm. I am a big snack person. And I think that's my equivalent of taking a, a minute. Like I'm not, I'm not someone who has to push the whole time. Like once I'm outside, mm. I feel like I'm, I'm doing good. <laughs> you know, like mm. yeah. you just like, I think the, the attainable moments at least for me, just cause like I have such a busy, um, energetic personality, like Shavasana is actually super hard for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm not, yeah. I'm like, if I stretch inside, like, I'm like, all right, skip Shavasana, like, like <laughs> to the next thing. Yeah. But it's interesting. Like when I have done yoga and I actually like, I'm in a class where it would be extremely rude to get up and like skip. Yeah. I, um, find myself actually like so relaxed and like to the point where I'll drift off to sleep, which is Mm -hmm. crazy because I always think that I have a hard time sleeping, (laughs) Yeah, but I think I just can never relax and like actually find any quiet, which I have a good friend of mine, Christopher Blevins. He, uh, he and I are kind of diving into this creative endeavor with a group of friends. this year called still spoke and he 
is someone who's uh, introduced meditation and he just won a world championship. And wow. he said that actually he would be a great person for you to talk to. Um, but yeah, he is an interesting guy and he's like found a lot of clarity um, within meditation as it, you know, pertains to his life as an athlete and his life as an artist, you know, he's a poet and released an album. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, he's incredible. But yeah, he, he's, he's someone that I always, he's young, much younger <laughs> than I am, <laughs> but I definitely like look to, to him for like, I don't know, there's like a different, a different way to do things. You know, you don't have to be the stereotypical anything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think he sounds cool. Yeah. If, if, so if I was working with you as a, as a coach, I would definitely challenge you to do some more Shavasana oh. <laughs> post ah. ride, you know, something I always wanted to do and I still haven't done it is go to a yoga class and just lie there in Shavasana for the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> do you know who's really good at that is Dylan. <laughs> oh yeah. Dylan sounds amazing. Yeah. He, he and I are like the yin and the yang. He's like, he'll have like one tab open on his computer and like finish one pass. <laughs> and I'm like, eh, wow. like the vacuum is in the middle of the living room right now. I like started doing half the laundry, you know, a podcast in between. <laughs> and ultimately I think you're so onto something and I really could probably use that, that quiet. I mean, I need it. Like I'll, I get to the point where I just like, like screech to a halt and I just can't, <laughs> mm-hmm. I just can't go anymore, but it's like this creative, like, I don't know. I just, I'm always like interested in the next thing. Mm-hmm. And, and then I just have these moments of like pure exhaustion, <laughs> probably need yeah. some more Shavasana in my life. For sure. <laughs> a little bit more. <laughs> a little bit like some. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, so to wrap it up, you know, I feel like there's a bunch more we could talk about, but maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe we have a part two at I some love point, it. <laughs> but, um, you know, you do have some great partners, uh, you know, working with specialized, like how much is the gear like fun for you getting a new bike, stuff like that? Like, does it get you pretty excited? Yeah. I mean, it's so funny. I, um, I've not, a very technical person at all, as I learned with sewing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, there is, it is cool to like get to try a bunch of new like modes of transportation. Cause truly that is yeah. what a bicycle is for. So like, it's been, it's been really cool to like be a part of, of that and like have the opportunity to ride everything from like a trail bike to an e-mountain bike and, you know, everything in in between um and then like with rafa like it's cool like i've gotten to work with their design team and uh coming up with like a new kit and like being on the other side of like the creative process which is so Mm. rad and like i don't know like like the brands that i get to work with from like hydroflask and topo designs is a little Mm. local i shouldn't say little or local there they started in uh fort collins colorado but they're this awesome clothing company um here that they just have like a super unique like colorful but also like earth tone like mixed with like bright color like sort of style and it's just so fun like to get to work with each brand and just see like 
how it all like how I can kind of piece it all together and like make it like one cohesive thing. Um, but then also like get to work, like ride sick bikes. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. I mean, I have like electronic shifting and like an e-commuter bike, which is super cool. I look like an old lady, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's super cool. And like, I think that that would be part of me. That would be like a little envious of like, people that are on with like real bike companies and just like, you know, having all those different types of bikes. And yeah, I, sp- I spoke to, to Lachlan as well. Yeah, and cool. he's just like, you know, gets a new bike and it's like all of a sudden he can like explore this whole area that he didn't know he could before. And then I'd link it with another, like it just opens up the world in a way it's that's wild. quite interesting. It is, it is so wild. And now like we're finding this line between like, I have a, a cyclocross frame or a gravel frame, which is essentially, it looks like a road bike frame. Right. Mm-hmm. But then like I get like a suspension, like a very mini, mini suspension fork from my sponsor rock shocks and SRAM. And like, mm-hmm. we're building up this, like what could also be a cyclocross bike at the world cup is going to like take me on single track mountain bike trails on the Colorado trail as like kind of a mountain bike from like the nineties almost, but like nicer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's, it's just, it's cool to like, see like the bike industry progresses faster than like technologically speaking than like the car industry by far. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're coming out with new innovative, you know, technology to a point where like, it's, it's like pretty overwhelming because you're like, you get used to like one thing and then they're like, all right, this is this year is like what's happening. And Garden from scratch. And <laughs> totally. You're like, what? Yeah. I just figured out what boost meant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it yeah, is I can cool. only imagine. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. Lachlan is totally right. Like it, I think the positive is it just opens up so much possibility, you know, and like they're inc- like, I mean, we were talking about that this weekend in Moab, like, the bikes that we're riding now, even from when like I got in the sport, which I consider like fairly recently, I mean, the bikes are totally different. Like they're actually fun. They've just, they've defined sport. <laughs> like there's enduro right. racing because of trail bikes. There is mm-hmm. gravel racing now with gravel. I mean, it's getting like more and more specialized to each, you know, each thing and the technology kind of leads that up, which is, it's crazy. yeah yeah it is pretty cool yeah just even myself like getting really into riding in the last year and a bit yeah you know i just like know my city so much more intimately and know places nearby that i just didn't really pay much mind to and now i'm like oh my god this is here that's here that's just over here and it's like (laughs) this is a fun experience sidewalk is here (laughs) yeah Yeah, there's a pothole about a block and a half away. I'm very familiar with. That you hit every time because I have one of those. You're like, damn it. Yeah. Yeah, it's such it's such a cool thing. The bicycle is a it's an incredible tool. Yeah. And how do you feel when you see somebody riding with like a jersey you've designed or something like oh, that? Oh man, it's so fun. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's really fun. Like it's just such a good like conversation starter and like you know, it's it's a pretty small tight-knit community but it you know it feels big to the point where like when I get to like meet the people that I like you know look up to 
it, mm-hmm. it feels really special, but also very attainable, which is really cool. <laughs> you know, yeah. like if yeah. we'll go back to Beyonce, if you're really into singing, you don't necessarily get to meet Beyonce, <laughs> but yeah. like, if you're into cycling, like I get to meet my heroes, you know, it's, it's fun. Yeah. And, and like vice versa, like I get to connect with people that are like, I bought your Jersey and it's Brad and it's so cool. It's <laughs> just like a fun conversation to have. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. That's great. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been really great to chat. Oh man. I know. I feel like I, I just have so many more questions <laughs> for you, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm happy to answer a couple more. if you want. <laughs> I just like, I am so curious as I mean, yeah, I don't want to like drag this on. And I know it's, it's all good. I'm like just one of those people that will like, well, so tell me about this. But I like, <laughs> I'm so curious, like you started a magazine and, and as someone who has that in the works right now, <laughs> like, I'm just so curious, like how you manage all of the pieces that like from creativity and like, athletic endeavors like how do you balance everything i mean that's tough for sure um you know like i started this menswear magazine in 2009 and that ran for seven years and it was an amazing like self-schooling experience in a way like i just had to learn everything over those years and i met some great people that became part of the team and and that was awesome so now to come back to publishing and do something in print that this will be a part of, you know, from a totally different place is, is also really exciting, but also challenging. I'm trying to challenge myself, like how to make something in print in 2022 interesting and dynamic. Yeah. And because it's kind of a dated medium, you know, it's kind of, I'm at least a lot less interested. So how can I do it in a way that I'm interested in it? Um, And doing that like alongside of life and training, yeah. you know, How especially many like the triathlon, like nobody. That's, okay. That's, I was like, this is how Christopher and I like kind of <laughs> became like, I mean, I don't want to say business partners because he owns still spoke, but like, it's just so overwhelming that like I was, he was like, Hey, do you need help? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah. So like the fact Definitely. that you're like, I mean, I guess you have a wealth of experience, but it's so like, I just don't even, I can't even wrap my head around that. Yeah. It's an interesting process. And I feel like the last few years working very much in isolation and freelance, Mm -hmm. I've missed community and missed collaboration. So I'm hoping that this brings more of a team like experience and there's starting to come together. And part of that is like learning to ask for help. So like just recently I was like, I need an intern, you know, I need a, somebody who's like down to work with me on this and, you know, some cool people have applied. So I'm going to, somebody's at least one or two people are going to come and work with me. But, you know, it was, it's hard for me to, even though I recognize I need help and I need to ask for help, it helped. It took like months for me to actually put it out there and be like, I need help. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I mean, also like with other people involved, like, I don't know, at least for me, well, there's that fine line of like having them help you with like the creative inspiration and then like adding more work, of course, like managing people is like the hardest thing I've ever done. 
it's really, it's really, it's really challenging. Yeah. And like, I've only had to manage like two or three people at a time. I can't imagine these individuals who manage like massive teams. Um, but I, I think like finding that like balance of like someone mm-hmm. to like help alleviate, but also, and also like offer, you know, a different perspective or idea bouncing mm-hmm. at least. Cause I just get yeah. stuck in my head. Me too. And <laughs> It's it's challenging and it's definitely been a really big process for me the last couple of years. I made I did a project with a brand called Raining Champ and we've made two running collections. Oh, cool. And just having their pushback on certain things, especially the early on like graphic stuff and logos was like old me would have been like, no, you can't change that. Yeah. This is the vision. This is what totally. it has to be. And now to be so much more at peace, it's like, oh, okay, well that is going to be annoying, but (laughs) I'm going to invite this to be an opportunity to make it better. And it like ended Uh, up going that direction, but it's like a process of like trusting and it doesn't need to be perfect. And I'm, you know, this, Mm. the, the publication I'm working on now, I'm working with uh, graphic designers uh, in Utah and they just presented me with like the directions. And a couple of them were like, completely not what I asked for. Oh, I'm like, man. oh, okay. Maybe this is cool. And like, I just need to like, Ugh. let it sink in and feel into it and, you know, try to take my, you know, attachment to what I thought it needed to be out of the picture as much as possible, which is oh. not always easy. Oh gosh, totally. I mean, that's why I ended up <laughs> getting out of graphic design because, yeah. I, well, or at least working with clients that, you know, I always felt like I had to work with because like, you know, of exactly that, but not your reaction, like mm-hmm. the reaction that you were, you know, initially going to have, yeah. I've had you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have too, like I was on that side of the coin with Rafa yeah. mm-hmm. where like they presented some things and I was like, Nope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then ultimately it was just like a conversation. It's like, where are we trying to get to collectively? And I, I've always felt like he, we are better, more creative as like a, a group of people. If you can figure out how to communicate. Yeah. But that's the hard part. <laughs> being Just being aligned in the fact that we're trying to make the best thing we can. Yeah. Not make the thing I want. <laughs> And it's like, that is like, okay, because then, yeah, like two people, you know, especially let's just say two people that are 35 years old, you know, that's 70 years of experience totally. and things you've seen and read and looked at versus the 35 years. So it's like impossible that like more people in alignment, they're yeah. going to make a better thing. Totally. So few people have that perspective, <laughs> especially in like corporate America. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> but like it's hierarchy. Tough, yeah. But <laughs> I, I mean, obviously you've made something beautiful and I mean, you've made a lot of beautiful <laughs> some things, <laughs> but it, it's cool to like, I don't know. I mean, I imagine I've actually never been to LA, but I, I have quite a few friends there. It seems like such a hub for um, that level of creativity. It is. Yeah. There's a lot of people doing cool stuff and it's surprisingly hard to schedule a coffee with somebody who lives 15 minutes away. Oh my God. I can't (laughs) even imagine. Yeah. It's like, 
you know, everyone's just in their own little universe in LA, I feel like, or their own neighborhood and like they won't go two neighborhoods over. And so my friend kind of told me about that. Oh, actually, wait, holy cow. I'm going to be in LA for the first time this weekend. I signed up for the LA tourist race, but now I'm like nervous about this whole neighborhood thing. (laughs) (laughs) Like, well, how do I like, yeah, she was like, it's wild because like, It'll be, I mean, I experienced that in Chicago when I was like traveling around. I was like, it's only seven miles, but it's taking us 45 minutes of driving. (laughs) That's wild. Do you, I mean, is it, is it more efficient to commute by bike? I don't feel like it is. I haven't really done that very often. Is it more sprawled out? It's pretty sprawled. And like in between areas, it's just like kind of gross in a lot of places in LA. It's just like, yeah dusty and the roads are really bad and there's not a lot of good drivers so oh so it's scary it's a bit sketchy yeah and so it's not so fun to like ride through the city and it's also like not really a city it's just like a bunch of neighborhoods that kind of overlap interesting huh it's it looks massive i'm like so excited to see it and just experience like what like I've always had this I mean this like exactly yeah. like your brain sorry I have it like pulled up <laughs> on my on my screen but that's like you are exactly what I imagine like <laughs> the creative person in LA <laughs> yeah I feel like I've probably been on a couple of like brand mood boards over the years <laughs> oh for sure <laughs> like this is the guy we're selling to and I'm like probably lying oh, like you individually <laughs> yeah. I thought you well, that's a good thing, right? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> if I'm falling for it and buying everything, then... <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, it's it's cool. It's cool to see, like, you know, you talk about, like, our, going back to our, like, mentor and, like, role mm-hmm. model and inspiration and mm-hmm. aspiration. Like, it's it's awesome as, like, a creative person. Like, I'm putting more of my eggs in the athletic ba- basket right now. Like, but I get to work with other creative people to like help make mm-hmm. some cool stuff in this world. But it's, it's awesome to see like what you have made in your life. And like, you know, there's been so many different twists and turns. So it's cool. Yeah. I mean, that's like done a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny. And it's so easy for me to be like, I haven't done anything good enough. I got to like oh, do something yeah. better. Right? That's the work we have to do though. Right. Yeah. Cause I'm sitting here. I'm like, Oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've never won a bike race, so <laughs> eh, that just depends on what kind of bike you're signing up for the wrong bike race. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. I'm like trying to find like the smallest triathlons in like all of California. I'm like, maybe I could podium if there's like 12 people there. <laughs> I think go out of California. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Here's your problem. Go to yeah. a landlocked state. Yeah, definitely. And somewhere north and cold, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Idaho. I bet, I bet someone, no, they're, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You need to find the least competitive race. Yeah. You just have to be strategic. That's all. Yeah. That's, I mean, truly Boy. though, like all jokes aside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It definitely is my only chance. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Any last questions? <laughs> I feel like I have like 20 more, but I also like, <laughs> I think I need to eat something. <laughs> okay. But I would, I, I, I do kind of want to like, send you a couple questions maybe later yeah um, totally yeah <laughs> anytime i'm totally happy to cool yeah, yeah no i'm i mean it's funny to like connect on a podcast but it it is just like the start of a new friendship which is fun yeah no i appreciate that 
Thank you. All right. Well, hopefully we'll chat again soon then. Oh yeah, absolutely. That would be awesome. Cool. And it was it was great to like chat with you and get to meet you. <laughs> yeah, likewise. No, I really appreciate like everything you're doing and sharing. And you know, it's really, it's really cool to to watch. So it was fun to get to know you a little bit more and ask you some questions. Likewise. <laughs> <laughs> well, have an, an awesome rest of your night. <laughs> yeah, you too. Have a good dinner. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Whether you listen to it on Spotify, Apple, or through our website, it would be great to hear your feedback and thoughts. If you're able to leave a review, it'll really help us share the message and share the podcast with more people. Thank you.